Good morning, everyone. The first point on your message notes this morning says this. The Bible says we're supposed to set our minds on the realities of heaven. Set our minds on this. We'll talk about that in a second, but I get that from Colossians 3, verses 1 through 2. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of earth. We're in a, uh, the middle of a series. We started last week. We're progressing on with a series on heaven. We're supposed to not only think about it a little bit, we're supposed to set our minds on this. I mean, when you set your mind on something, that means this takes first place. I talked to somebody recently who'd lost 75 pounds last year. Well, how'd you do it? By accident. No. They set their minds on that. Uh, I remember driving uh, back and forth to Birmingham from Montgomery for six and a half years working on my master's in divinity degree. If you go full-time, it takes you three years. It took me six and a half. The glitter wore off after a while. But what kept me going was I really wanted that degree. But I had to set my mind on it. And if you set your mind on something, that means that it comes first. Now, why in the world would I want to set my mind on heaven? Well, heaven is where I'm going to live forever. If I live 80, 90 years here, if I live 90 years, I've had a long life. That'd be a long life. But in heaven, we'll live forever, 90 trillion years. Well, if that's where I'm going to live forever, well, I ought to think about that. That's where I'm going. And the whole idea behind this series is, is to be in line with what Paul said in Colossians 3. Let me read this verse again, these verses again. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above, not on the things of earth. If I set my mind on the things of earth, I'm focusing on the things I'm going to have for 90 years versus the things I'm going to have for 90 trillion years. That's where I'm headed. That's what I want to focus on. In fact, if you found somebody that was moving away forever, they were going to go settle in another country, and you asked them, hey, what's it like over there? Yeah, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? I mean, what's the climate like? What's the economy like? What are you going to do there? Yeah, I don't know. Better than Detroit. <laughs> what? I mean, it's not good enough. And we just say, well, it's better than here, I guess. I don't know. Oh, there's a lot that the Bible has to say about heaven. So we're spending five weeks on this to talk about some things the Bible clearly says. And it's really important that we look at this. Now, let me also tell you, and then I want to have a word of prayer here. Setting our minds on heaven will necessarily impact our relationships on earth. I mean, the guy who lost all that weight, well, he set his mind on losing the weight, but that impacted every meal he ate. You go, well, of course. For me, driving back and forth to Birmingham twice a week for six and a half years, whew, that impacted a whole lot of decisions I made with my time. Time with family. I mean, how much time I'd have studying. Man, impacted tons of decisions in my life. 
I mean, if you set your mind on something, it impacts everything else. And Jesus knew that. And that's why when he told his disciples, when they asked him one day, they said, will you teach us to pray? Here's what he said. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Anybody ever heard this before? Yeah, you probably have. Okay. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And that's where we stop a lot of times. But in Matthew's gospel, Matthew keeps going. Because remember, Jesus wasn't praying that prayer then. He was teaching them this as a model prayer. And so he kept going. And here's the next couple of verses. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now this is when we're praying to our Father in heaven, saying, I want your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Did you know that every single person in heaven will be a sinner whose sins are completely forgiven? I got like two amens out of that. Okay. Let me just tee this up for you one more time. This time you're ready to hit it. Okay. Here we go. All right. So did you know that every single person in heaven will have all their sins forgiven by the grace of God? It's good news. We're going to spend 90 trillion years together with people in heaven who had all their sins forgiven. Me being one of those sinners, you being one of those sinners, all y'all being, we're all a bunch of filthy, rotten sinners forgiven by the grace of God. You weren't supposed to say amen on that, but anyway, that's great. Okay, good. We're convinced of this. Okay. I'm glad we're convinced of that. So if we're going to spend 90 trillion years with, and everybody in there is a sinner just like us, that's had all their sins forgiven. We're in there only by the grace of God. That's the only way we're getting to heaven because of God's kindness, his undeserved kindness. Then Jesus says, well, you understand that, right? Right. So if you're going to pray, Father, I want you to forgive all my sins, then you're supposed to be, let me put it in brass tacks here, then forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And Jesus said, if, if you don't understand this, how in the world could you ask God to forgive you the millions of sins that you've committed against him if you're not willing to forgive the people who've just committed a handful of sins against you? When we talk about heaven, you see how thinking about heaven impacts the way we live here? I mean, right out of the gate, Lord's Prayer stuff. Mm. That's why Paul said, set your mind on these things. It's going to change the way you think about everything. I grew up in a small rural uh, community. I grew up on my dad's wheat farm. There were 25 in my high school graduating class. My twin sister and I made up basically 10%. Um, it's true. And in that school, the vast majority of people never went to college. They went to trade. They learned to trade and other things. And so there was woodworking, metal shop, other things, and other things. I never learned how to write papers properly for college. Well, I went to college, and I learned there. And so one of the things I wanted to do when my kids were in high school uh, we made sure that they signed up for AP classes. We made sure they took classes where they would be taught and prepared for term papers in college because I wanted them to go to college. This was important to me. 
I wanted them to be prepared. I wasn't prepared. And some of you could have said amen on that too. A lot of us slept all the way through high school. But man, we woke up in college. Well, think if you'd been prepared. I mean, it was easy for my kids and they were ready for that. Well, I want to use, take a few minutes here and get our minds ready for heaven. I shared last week that um, a friend of mine, when I started ministry, he, for a long time, he would text me every, or email me or text me every Sunday morning, just say, give him heaven. You know, and so I, I shared that last week. I'd kind of like that to be our theme this week, you know, and for this whole series or throughout this whole series, because I want us to talk about heaven. The more we think about it, the more we'll get in line with what God has intended for us, and that'll impact the way we live every day. It's supposed to. Will you pray with me, please? Lord, I just want to think about heaven for a few minutes. I pray, Lord, you will challenge us so much that we don't want to look at our cell phones, that we don't want to focus on anything else for the next few minutes. We just want to think about heaven and what your word says about this. So, Lord, I pray that you'll speak and move me out of the way. Lord, it makes perfect sense that if we're thinking about where we're going to be for 90 trillion years. Well, if that's the way we're going to live forever, why wouldn't we want to start living that way now? So, Lord, I just pray that you'd speak. Move me out of the way. Show us what we need to know about heaven. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Point two on your outline, when we study what the Bible has to say about heaven, we can be confident we're setting our minds on what's true. One of the values we have here at Center Point is biblical authority. Our little phrase for that is, the Bible's our guide in all matters of faith and practice, including heaven. There are lots of thoughts about what heaven would be like, and there are some people who just say, you know, heaven isn't even a real place. It's just kind of a, an imaginary concept that we talk about. We eat a good dessert, and we go, oh, that's heavenly especially if it's angel food, okay, or whatever. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but the point is, is that what would we say, I mean, where would we find out about heaven? Well, Jesus came to earth from heaven. And he told his disciples, when he ascended to heaven, before he ascended to heaven, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. When everything's ready, I'm going to come back and get you. He knows about heaven. What's interesting is, is, the night before he was crucified, he had a long prayer. It's recorded for us in John 17, the longest prayer that, that we have recorded for us in scriptures from John 17 from Jesus. And here's, what, here's part of that prayer. Father, he's praying to his heavenly father. Now I'm coming to you. I told them, speaking of the disciples, many things while I was with them in this world so they would be filled with my joy. I've given them your word, and the world hates them because they don't belong to the world, just as I don't belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They don't belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. This is why we use the Bible. It's true. It's not my opinion on what heaven is. We're going to look at some scriptures that talk about what heaven's like. And we have a lot of clues in scripture about what heaven will be like and what relationships will be like. And that's what we're talking about today. 
Next week, we're going to talk about what will our bodies be like in heaven. And if your body is aging, and it is, even if you're young, you don't believe me, but you will one day, okay? And if your body is aging, it's good news to know that in heaven, we'll have brand new bodies that will never wear out. We're going to talk about that next week. But today, we want to talk about what are relationships like there. And I just want to, before I even leave this passage, though, I want you to understand this, this will put us at odds with our culture. I mean, when it talks about the world hates them, it doesn't mean like the rocks and the trees in the world or, you know, the environment hates us. What it means is when it talks about the world, it's our world system, our values. Because when we value the things of heaven, well, God is on the throne in heaven and his values reign supreme. And so we're praying that when we pray, Lord, we want your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, there are plenty of people in this world who don't want God's will to be done. That part about thou shalt not steal or thou shalt not lie or not commit adultery or not covet. Yeah, I don't want any of that. And when you and I start living the way God wants us to live, trusting him to guide us and meet our needs and give us spiritual strength and power to do what he wants us to do, man, that's going to put us in a different place. So when we talk about these things, realize that some of this stuff, if we've been believers for a long time, we go, well, of course, this is good news. But there are many people in our culture that don't, either don't know this and may even not want this. It's important to understand. So that brings us to point B, what will relationships be like in heaven? Well, here are a few things. First of all, in heaven, we will be joyfully reunited with our loved ones who have died in the Lord. If that's good news to you this morning, would you say amen? That is good news. I cannot wait to be reunited with my grandfather and grandmothers, my grandfather's grandmothers, with my mom and my dad, uh, with uh, a couple of very good friends who've passed away. Can't wait to see them again. Is that realistic? Yeah, sure. First Thessalonians 4, Paul's writing to the early Christians there. Now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so you won't grieve like people who have no hope. I mean, if there is no heaven and your friends die, that was it. Hope you had a good run. I mean, try that at a funeral. Well, that's it. Let's have lunch. Not if we're in the Lord. We will see our loved ones again and Paul's saying this, I don't want you to grieve like people who have no hope. I mean, we grieve, but not like people who will never see our loved ones in the Lord again. Mm-mm. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who died. This is good news. Then together with them, we are still alive and remain on the earth. We caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we'll be with the Lord forever, so encourage each other with these words. I mean, it's not very encouraging if no one's there. It's terribly encouraging to know we will be reunited with our loved ones who've gone on before us. In fact, when I talk to people a lot and I ask them, hey, what are you looking forward to about heaven? They go, oh, I want to see my mom again. I want to see my brother again. I want to see my sons again. Oh, I want to see him. I can't wait for that day. I can't either. Oh, this is good news. We could stop right here and it'd be good, but there's, we're not going to stop here. It gets, there's a lot more. But I want to say something about this, and I want to tackle a couple of things that 
are circulated that I hear often. And so I won't be able to address every question today, we'll, but we'll get some more here. But these are some that I'm asked a lot. First of all, there are a lot of people who somehow believe that we won't recognize each other in heaven. I get asked this all the time. Yeah, I mean, they'll be there, but will we recognize them? Well, how encouraging would it be if you go up there and go, and your mom walked up to you, passed away years ago, and you go, who are you? Well, that's not very encouraging. That's weird. And that doesn't comfort me at all. Of course we'll recognize each other. We'll still have our identities. We have clues on this. If you remember, there was a time when Jesus took uh, Peter, James, and John. This is uh, from Luke 9. He took three of his disciples, Peter, John, and James, up to a mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was transformed. And his clothes became dazzling white. And suddenly two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared and began talking with Jesus. They were glorious to see. And they were speaking about his exodus from this world, which was about to be fulfilled in Jerusalem. And Peter and the others had fallen asleep. And when they woke up, they saw Jesus' glory, the two men standing with him. And as Moses and Elijah were starting to leave, Peter, not even knowing what he was saying, blurted out, Master, it's wonderful for us to be here. Let's make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Moses, Elijah, Moses, Elijah, Moses, Elijah, all through that passage. Well, Moses and Elijah are the same Moses and Elijah from the Old Testament. They still have their identities. I mean, it's still Moses and Elijah. I'm still going to be John. You're still going to be you. We will recognize each other. We will. This is terribly important, or else this passage doesn't even make sense. I mean, and what's interesting is, is that how they knew, I guess you, you could speculate, maybe they knew from the conversation that was going on, or they asked Jesus, hey, what are their names? Or maybe Moses and Elijah had one of those name tags. Hi, my name is Moses. You know, where are Hi, my name is Elijah. I don't know. It doesn't say. But a lot of people speculated that because they couldn't possibly have recognized them. There weren't any photographs of them or other things. But it may be in heaven we recognize people better than we do here. Wouldn't it be great if you didn't forget people's names? That would be like heaven. <laughs> And by the way, the older you get, yeah, okay, it gets worse. You know more people and the, the processor doesn't work as well either. Okay, uh, here's another note. We'll remember our lives on earth. We'll not just remember people, we'll remember our lives on earth. And people tell me all the time, I don't think we'll remember anything in heaven. I think we get a clean memory wipe. <whistles> Go to heaven, forget everything that happened here. And I've asked people, why do you think that? And they go, well, I've got a lot of pain in my life. I've got a lot of sorrow in my life. How could I have joy be free of sorrow and pain in heaven with all the junk that's happened in my life. Well, I got a note for you here. It's important for us to understand this, that there will be no crying, sorrow, or pain in heaven in spite of painful relationships and horrible experiences on earth because we'll have God's perspective on everything. It's perspective, not ignorance. Ignorance is bliss is a real statement until the tornado comes. Okay, perspective changes everything. I mean, there's this marvelous verse in Genesis 50, verse 20. It's in the life of Joseph in the Old Testament. Joseph was sold into slavery by his older brothers. They hated him. They were jealous of him. He was dad's favorite, Jacob's favorite. They didn't want to kill him. They wanted to torture him by selling him to slavery. They thought he would die a horrible death enslaved somewhere. 
And he ended up being traded uh, by these slave traders uh, down in Egypt to a man named Potiphar. Potiphar's wife then made a move on him. Joseph wouldn't have anything to do with her. So she falsely accused him of trying to rape her. And he actually went to prison for a number of years. And everybody forgot about him in prison. But because the Lord, the Holy Spirit was with him, he was able to interpret dreams. And that became known. And one day Pharaoh had a dream about the future that no one could interpret. And somebody remembered, one of Pharaoh's servants remembered that they'd met a man when he had been imprisoned. He'd met Joseph and he said, there's a guy who can tell you, Pharaoh. And Pharaoh brought Joseph in because Joseph could interpret the dream. God enabled him to do that. He was elevated to the highest rank in the land, elevated to prime minister, went from the prison house to the White House in one day. And then after a great famine came seven years later, his brothers actually came to see him and they bowed down in front of him. That had been a dream that Joseph had had 20 plus years earlier. And I share all that story with you because I love to tell that story. Later on, after their father died, brothers came to Joseph and they were certain that maybe Joseph was just waiting till their dad died before he got revenge on them. And here's what Joseph said to them. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about as it is this day to save many people alive. A great famine had come because Joseph was in charge. He was able to protect his brothers, their wives, all their children and bless them. In his lifetime, Joseph was able to change his perspective. Instead of bitterness, he was able to find joy and actually give thanks in his lifetime. Well, imagine when we look back on things in heaven and we can see all the things that God was doing behind the scenes that we never appreciated. I mean, some of those things have even happened in my lifetime. I've shared on many occasions, there was a girl I fell in love with, with love with in college and I wanted to marry her and she fell in love with another guy and I didn't like him a bit. Um, yeah, which is obvious. And she married that guy. Well, it was years later that I met Debbie and she's a thousand times what this other gal was. And in my own life, I've been able to agree with that great theologian, Garth Brooks. I thank God for unanswered prayers. In my own life, my perspective has changed. At the time when that girl dropped me, I was angry. My perspective now is, oh, thank you, Jesus. Well, imagine what it will be like in heaven when we understand our whole life. We'll go, oh, Lord, that was the most horrible thing. I mean, Joseph was talking about abuse. He was talking about falsely accused of uh, a sexual crime. He was imprisoned, abandoned there, unjustly treated. You go, you don't know what I've been through. Well, I'm just telling you what he went through. That's horrible. There's no way God could use any of that for good. Yes, he did. And we tell that story over and over again. Well, imagine if we can learn the stories of millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of people in heaven. John, that's going to take forever. Yeah. Oh, I hope you're thinking about heaven. By the way, this is how it applies to us today. Remember, thinking about heaven changes the way we think today. 
Setting our minds on heaven can change our perspective right now. Brings us peace and comfort right now. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that we can see now. Uh, and they don't look, we don't look at the troubles we can see now, but rather fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. I mean, this greatly encourages us when we're going through hard times. I don't understand how any of this could happen. I mean, you can imagine Joseph, Lord, why'd you give me this dream that one day my brothers would bow down to me? Bow down to me. I was sold into slavery. Then I went to prison. Lord, where are you now? Yet when everything was fulfilled, he saw it from God's perspective. When we get to heaven, everything will be made clear. And that should give us peace and comfort right now. Maybe you needed to hear that today because you're going through a really tough time. Just want to remind you, God's doing more behind the scenes than you know. He's working and he's good. Secondly, in heaven, we're going to be one big family with believers from every nation, tribe, people, and time period. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. This is why people in churches call each other brothers and sisters. I've shared with you before, if you call me Brother John, that's fine. If you call me Pastor John, that's fine. If you call me John, that's fine. If you call me and say, hey, I want, to, want you to come over for supper, that's really fine. <laughs> but we're brothers and sisters. Heaven will be filled like one giant family and by the way, just write this in the margin. Psalm 68, 6 says, God places the lonely in families. Maybe you didn't come from a family. Maybe you don't even know who your parents were. Maybe you were young when everybody in your family tragically died. I don't know. Did you know that God places the lonely in families? And that's not just in this world. That's forever. And sometimes church family can be closer than our biological families. Some of you have experienced that here in your connect group. I love it. It's the way it's supposed to be. After this, I saw a vast crowd. This is Revelation 7, verses 9 through 10. It was too great to count. For every nation and tribe and people and language were standing in front of the throne of the Lord in heaven and before the Lamb. And they were clothed in white robes and they held palm branches in their hands and they were shouting with a great roar, Salvation comes from God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. Yeah! I hope you're thinking about heaven. It's going to be a giant family. People from all over the world, every time period. Mm. Well, how would that impact our life? Well, setting our minds in heaven allows us to look at people from other nations, races, generations as potential brothers and sisters in Christ. Jesus talked this way, and I tell you this. Many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from east and west, and will sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. I mean, can you imagine that? We're not only sitting down with people from our generation, but from people from generations past at the wedding feast of the Lord with Isaac and Abraham and Jacob. And you know who, has, who organizes the seating arrangements? Jesus. I mean, you get the idea we're going to sit down to dinner again and again and have meals for millions and millions of years. Who did you sit, to, who'd you sit with last night? Uh, sat with Billy Graham. It's pretty cool. Got to talk to Daniel 
Find out about the lion's den. Did you know how those lions smell? I sat down with Mary Magdalene and the woman who played her on The Chosen. I mean, how great will this be? Remember, the Lord was working in my life. I didn't marry the gal that I wanted to marry. He had somebody else better lined up for me. Remember how God's been working in our lives, guiding our lives? That's still going to happen in heaven, only it's going to happen much better. We'll talk about that in a minute. He's going to be guiding our lives in heaven, too. And we won't be nearly as clueless as we are now. Or as stubborn. Mm. In heaven, point three, every relationship will be far better than the best marriage on earth. Jesus said that when the dead rise, it will neither marry nor be given in marriage. In this respect, they'll be like the angels in heaven. Why did he say that? Well, Paul talked about it in Ephesians 5 that um, God designed marriage in this world to point us to a better reality in heaven. A man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife. The two are united in one. This is a great mystery, but it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. The church is all the believers, all those people standing around the throne. Salvation comes from God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. Yeah! That's all of us. We will all have a relationship with God that blows our minds we'll all be together in this. And every friendship we have will be better than, we can, than the best, loving, greatest marriage on earth. Every relationship will be better. And by the way, remember, we'll remember, I'll remember who my children are. I'll remember who, Debbie, she's been my wife here on earth for 36 years. We will still be, we'll still know each other in heaven. We'll hold hands, go for walks in heaven. Don't get, well, because we won't be married, we won't even know each other. Don't, no, it's not what it says. But we'll know other people too. And we'll just laugh that the things we thought were the best that it could possibly be. Heaven is way better. Love is patient, love is kind. It's not jealous, boastful, proud, or rude. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable, keeps no record of being wrong. It doesn't rejoice in justice, but rejoices whenever the truth runs out. Mm. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, endures through every circumstance. That's the way it's going to be in heaven. In fact, I got a quote on the back of your notes. It's a quote from Jonathan Edwards. There should be no such thing, there will be no such thing. As flattery or insincerity in heaven, everyone will be just as he seems to be and will really have all the love he seems to have. Every expression of love shall come from the bottom of the heart and all that is professed shall really be true and truly felt. We can't even imagine that. Because even with the people we love the most, we still fail them, even in the most committed marriage. My wife is still wrong about so many things. Anyway, um... She's not here today, so I can get away with that. <laughs> yeah, but you'll tell her. Anyway, uh, here's a life application for us on this point. Jesus doesn't want us to wait until heaven to start loving each other. It's what we talked about. Why would we wait to heaven to start forgiving people if we're all going to be forgiven there? Why would we wait to heaven to, 
start being not jealous, boastful, or rude. We could start being not jealous, boastful, and rude today. At the gas station. At dinner. Tonight. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. This is the night before he was crucified. Jesus told his disciples this, who'd been arguing that evening about who would be the greatest in heaven. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. For your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. In heaven, we're all going to love each other. Well, yeah, in heaven, but not today. Do you want to go to heaven? Yeah. When college, you're going to have to write using this format. Yeah, I know, but I'm not in college. Why would you wait? I mean, this is what the Holy Spirit does. He fills our hearts with love and joy and peace, enables us to forgive people and love people we couldn't stand in our own strength. Last point, in heaven, our personal relationship with God will be taken to the highest level possible. Talked about this before. I mean, we're going to follow God's guidance in heaven just like we did here. And he's got things for us to do. He's got all kinds of experiences for us. Hmm. Paul reflected on this a little bit later. We read 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7 about love. And then Paul reflected a little more. This is verses 11 and 12, same chapter. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child, reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I'm fully known. I'm going to be able to talk to Jesus out loud and ask him any question I want. And he'll be able to tell me what I want to do, what he wants me to do. And I'm going to do it joyfully. And everybody will do that. And there'll be no jealousy, no crime, no abuse, nobody, no clicks where I'm on the outside looking in. None of that. No racism. John, that sounds like heaven. Behold, or beloved, now we are children of, the, of God and has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he's revealed, we'll see we like him for we shall see him as he is. I just wanted to end with that thought for today. And you go, oh, please keep talking. I will next week. We're going to see Jesus as he is. one of our sons, I drove up Friday afternoon to Nashville. That's where my wife is this morning. Uh, one of my sons and his wife, they're moving to another place from one place to another in Nashville. And so we helped them move yesterday. So I drove up Friday evening, hauled some stuff up there and then helped them move yesterday and then drove back last night. And I love being with them. We got, they have a little grandson, my little grandson. And I, oh, I just love being with them, even if it's moving which everybody hates moving. But anyway, but I'd love just being with them. And I go, oh, do you in heaven will never say, I wish we had more time. 
We have all the time in the world. We'll see Jesus face to face. Everyone there will be forgiven. And we'll treat each other the way we always wanted to treat everybody and the way we wanted everybody to treat us. It will really happen. Forever. In heaven. Will you pray with me, please? Lord, I just thank you. We asked at the beginning of this message you'd give us a few minutes where we could just stop and disconnect from the world. Thank you. I look forward to heaven. Lord, I thank you that Isaac and Abraham and Jacob will be there. Daniel, David, Mary Magdalene. We're going to get to talk to all of them. We get to know every one of them. They'll get to know us. And we'll get to see you, Jesus, face to face. Encourage us with these words. We don't grieve as people have no hope. We'll see our loved ones again. Because of what you did for us on the cross. And Lord, we ask that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Work in our lives today. We're all going to be forgiven and helping in heaven, so help us forgive today. There's not going to be any rude, sarcastic remarks in heaven. Give us the desire and the power to not make rude, sarcastic remarks today. You got to change us, Lord. We can't do this on our own. Don't want to try. Thank you for Jesus who made all this possible. He died on the cross to take away our sins. He's the one preparing a place for us. We can't wait to go. In the wonderful name of Christ we pray. Amen.